Welcome to episode 897 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 897 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. How about you? I'm pretty good. We're, do- we're doing things a little bit different today, team, because John's got a big marketing day tomorrow. He's going to learn all about marketing. He said, Bevan, I need to get the show done beforehand, but luckily he's done all the work. <laughs> so, so basically, we'll get a few interviews in. It's going to be pretty interesting. But before we do that, let's say a big thank you to our patrons, John. We're going to call Darklagius Yoda. Oh, how do you say? And Majerik yeah. Bigmas Zikant. And then we've got Joe Aragon Spragans. Okay, team. So in this week's show, we're not doing news. Um, we're just basically going to do, we've got a couple age group interviewers from the, for the females racing in Kona last week. Who have we got, John? We've got Whitney Kelly and Emmy Nix. Both of them came on our camp. Um, earlier in the year, so we did have a short interview with them for those of you who are regular listeners. Uh, for both of them, it was their first time racing in Kona. Whitney had been over there before as a supporter. Um, but yeah, it's just good to get some different perspective on what people thought of Kona from when it's you know, the females only day. In general, Bevan, it's all pretty positive uh, right. in terms of the, the woman kind of feeling like you know it was a really special day. And it's just a different vibe. And uh, in general, most people seem to like it. Most of the girls seem to like it. So um, boys need to have a think about how, how races go in the future because um, they like it. That's good to hear. Okay. And then we've got another interview of a guy called Connor Emney. So how do you spell What's the story of him, John? Emney. Uh, his story is that he fellow who has done an Ironman in every continent. Um, he kind of got slowed down a little bit by COVID. Um, not a front of the pack or anything like that, but he's the youngest guy to ever do an Ironman in six of the continents. And now he's going to try to be the youngest to do them in seven continents. And that means he's going down to Antarctica in January. He's going to try and do an Ironman down there. And so you're going to hear about how to try to do it. Seems shit crazy to me um but he's going to give it a crack and good luck to him he's uh, got a good story what we might do team just because it is a bit of a different show today we might just put all those interviews on back to back to back so we're going to go whitney kelly uh emmy nix and then connor emini is that, is, that, is that john um that's how we're going to get yeah. those three so we'll go back to back to back and then john and i will be back at the end of the show so let's get into these interviews here we go all right, next up is a young lady who has got uh, plenty of experience at Ironman in a, in a short space of time, so I can give us some good contrast on the whole Kona experience versus uh, other events she's done in different parts of the, the world. Uh, she was on the show back in Rote. I'm pretty sure we had a chat to her. Um, so welcome back to the show, Whitney. Hi, thanks for having me, John. Yeah, cool. So, and you've got it's a family deal with you. You've got uh, your mum's involved in this, and uh, and your aunt is involved in this. Anybody else in the extended family that gets involved as well? 
No, no other extended family. My sister has told us if we do one more triathlon vacation that she's going to throw a temper tantrum. So, <laughs> but we, we have plenty of fun together. So, Excellent. so a bit like Emmy, we heard earlier in the show, um, Whitney was over in Rote with us uh, earlier in the year, doubled up for, for Kona. So maybe just tell us a bit about yourself, um, what you do for a job, where you qualified um, and how long you've sort of been involved in the sport. Um, so I've been involved in the sport since I was 18 years old. My mom did my first half Ironman and full Ironman with me when I was 18. Um, I grew up watching her race. Um, she has done over 31 full Ironman now, and I grew up cheering on, cheering her on and, um, making sure, uh, that she got to that finish line and then she returned the favor for me. Um, so currently I live in Reno, Nevada. Um, I'm a pacemaker representative, so I talk about cardiology all day and have a good time with that. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of interest in exercise physiology. That's what I studied in school. And I've tried to relate that to um, Ironman and triathlon training. Um, mm -hmm. Currently I've done 27 halves and I've done nine full Ironman. Um, so Is your mom done Kona or not? She did. So I was able to spectate in 2018 um, and I was able to cheer her on and catch her at the finish line. Oh, it would be quite good to hear hear her perspective as well, um, what you've spoken to her about it. So what you, you've been there before, um, maybe tell us a bit about what the vibe was like before the race um, for you as an athlete and maybe relative to what you'd kind of seen uh, on the sidelines in, in 2018. So overall, I felt the environment was a little more relaxed, actually, in Kona than it was back in 2018. Um, you could tell that there was less people there, um, but I didn't find that was an issue at all. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the women's only race felt much calmer to me than most yeah. other races, um, a little less high anxiety, and there was a lot of support from the women. Yeah, cool. And in terms of the, um, we spoke to a coach last week and he kind of said the around town, as you said, it was a bit quieter. Expo, I, th I think the problem you've got with the expo in Kona or anywhere, once you've done the rote expo, everything else pales in comparison. Was that kind of the feeling that you got over there? Yeah, absolutely. Rote was insane. I couldn't believe how amazing that expo was. We still had a really good expo in Kona. I love singing the women's specific brands. Oh, nice. um, it's a lot more catered to us, um, yeah. but it was quieter. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and what were your expectations sort of going into the race? Were you there for sort of the honeymoon race going, sweet, I'm actually going to do this? Or were you were you there to sort of push to the limits? I just couldn't even believe that I was there. I've been dreaming about this for 12 years now. I've been, ever since I caught my mom at the finish line, that's all I've wanted to do. Um, and finally had the opportunity to go and race. My goal was to be smiling the whole time. And I did that, had a few hiccups, but um, overall I felt good. I was happy and um, I was happy with my time. Oh, so talk us through the, the swim. Um, uh, you know, you, you've got plenty of experience at other races. Um, maybe talk us through how the swim went and any advice that you would have for somebody going over there um, to that particular race relative to what they might experience elsewhere. Um, the swim was great. Um, it is the most beautiful blue waters I've ever seen or swam in. And my first Ironman was in Cosmo. I'd probably equate oh, nice. it to that one. Yeah. Um, I liked the age group starts. Um, and I felt like all the swimmers were um, very accommodating. I tend to be a middle to back of the swim and the swim's not my 
strongest suit. Um, and normally when men are out there swimming with us too, I feel like it's a lot more aggressive. I didn't quite feel that the same way. Um, there were still women pushing their limits and they were pushing to do their best, but I didn't feel like I was being crawled over or pulled back or being hit in the face or anything like that. Oh, uh, onto the bike. Now this is where I think the challenges started for you. Uh, I did read your posts, I think last week, can't remember off the top of my head what they were, but I know you, but did you have multiple punches or what was going on on the bike? Yeah, so I uh, flatted at mile five and mile 30, and I used my only tube at mile five. So I got to hang out in the lava fields for a while waiting for a bike mechanic. Um, it honestly, it was disappointing. I, I really wanted to push my limits on the bike ride. That's my favorite portion of the race. Um, but it kind of got me to slow down and be like, oh my God, I'm in the lava fields right now. Like I'm seeing all these amazing women um, pass, pass currently. <laughs> Every single person who passed me asked me if I needed anything. Yeah. Um, and the bike mechanics were fantastic once they were there and they got me going. And then I had no problems for the rest of the race. What was the, um, on the bike? Um, you know, we, we see some real issues with drafting at some events. And I'm not sure what the experience was like for you in, in Rote or, or at other big races. Um, what was it like out there? Was it pretty fair? Um, yeah. Give us a feedback on that. Yeah, I've seen other races that end up forming huge pelotons and um, which is very dangerous on that time trial bike. And this one, I did not see any of that at all. Um, women were very respectful with passing. There was a lot of on your left. The course didn't feel um, overcrowded, which was great. Um, and overall, just a little more respectful. Um, I Because of my flats, I ended up passing quite a few people on the nice. bike, and <laughs> which felt great at the time. Um, but, uh, everybody was great. Normally when I am racing with men, I usually find that once I pass them that I, there starts to get a little more aggression there, maybe not in a negative way, but they don't like this little girl passing them. So <laughs> I didn't experience that all, all on the bike course. Um, and any, anything about the bike, any particular tips you might give again, if there was newbies that were going to be going over there, you know, the guys will be going next year and the ladies will be back the, the year after that. Um, but yeah, knowing what you know now versus what you knew before the race, was there anything that sort of jumped out at you and you thought, oh, that was either a bit harder than I expected or any particular things about the bike that you, you learned some lessons from? I would just say that um, focusing on your nutrition so that you can actually complete your run well um, was big for me. I didn't I wanted a good time on the bike, but I didn't feel like I pushed excessively hard on it and was able to maintain my calories, even with the heat in so many other hot races, I find that all my blood goes peripherally and I don't digest very well with my focus on nutrition on the bike ride. I was able to have a good race the entire time. And because Kona is so hot, um, it really made the difference to my day, it made me a much happier racer. Mm. And how, how did the run go? Uh, run went good. I was a happy camper until about the turnaround at the energy lab and oh, uh, then I pushed through. So, um, wow. really and what was, again, I know I keep coming back to this, but what was, it sounds to me like the vibe, like on the run and, and on the bike was just a bit friendlier was again, was that the sort of same experience you, you got on the run? Um, seems like it was a lot more encouragement and just so not, not potentially so hardcore like the guys might be. Yeah, it felt very supportive. Um, all the women were there to complete a common goal. Um, yes, we were all competing and we wanted to do our best, but we were all doing it together. And we all realized how important this experience was for all of us. And opening up the field to so many women allowed 
so much gratitude out there that I don't know if necessarily I felt on other races. Everybody was just so happy. I, I chatted with plenty of women on the course um, and they, everybody kept me going and um, we all cheered each other on, which was a really nice experience for a race. Yeah, I don't, do you think guys are going to get that? Like most, the, the, the feedback from most of the guys, I think, oh, we don't really like having the separate um, male and female race. But the feedback we seem to be getting, we haven't done an exhaustive survey or anything like that. But it seems like most of the females were were pretty happy uh, having their own race, and it didn't really bother them that the the males weren't around. Would that be how you feel about it, or what? What would you like to see? I do like racing with the men. I have a lot of friends who are male triathletes, but there was something really special about just having women out there. It just felt, I don't know, there just is a little more higher level of anxiety when you race with the men, Um, not necessarily in a negative way, but the women were more about building each other up instead of just trying to get to the next step. It just felt like we were all trying to enjoy the experience. Oh, do you think it's sustainable? You know, it was, was really great numbers this year. Uh, I think myself and a lot of people thought, oh, the numbers are going to be down. Um, and I know in a lot of races, the qualifying it rolled quite a long way down. Um, but do you think it's sort of sustainable and in, in, in a good way that we can get more females into the sport? Or do you think, oh, it might be a bit tricky to get, you know, two to two and a half thousand people there again? I, I certainly hope so. I think triathlon is growing, especially for women. I don't think we've reached nearly our peak. Um, being able to include more women and giving more women an opportunity to have this kind of experience, I think, is a really good thing. Um, I don't I don't think you could do it year after year and have that many women. But I do like I, I actually am appreciative of the rotating um, men's and women's. And I'd like to see how that goes over the next few years. Oh, anything uh, you've been really positive about the whole experience, anything that um, was not so good other than obviously your punches, which is just um, that ha- that happens. But was there anything that was sort of disappointing about the day? Um, nothing about the race specifically. Um, I really had to step away from social media going into the race because there were just so many negative comments leading into it. Mm. Um, I felt like a lot of people didn't have a lot of faith in the women. And I think the women really showed up this year, Mm. really showed that we can make an amazing race, seeing Lucy Charles Barkley, um, absolutely dominate and have an excellent race and Anne Haug and everybody else out there shows that women, we can watch women, we can enjoy the sport. There's just as good competition. Um, and that women can achieve all of these things in great numbers. So, so you've done the two big kahunas in one year, you've done challenge rope, you've done nine man Hawaii. Uh, what's, what's left on the, uh, the bucket list now just to go back and do more or what's on, what's on your agenda? <laughs> Well, John, I was telling um, everybody after Challenge Road, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do a full Ironman for a while. And then I found out I got into Kona and it, I got everything um, just brightened up again for me. After Kona, I was like, oh no, I don't want to do another one. And now I'm like, all right, what's next? I need to figure out the next challenge. I can do better. Yeah. Uh, hopefully doing some gravel racing this year. So that's oh. what's top for me. Very good. I'd imagine around Reno, there's probably some pretty good riding. Yeah, we've got some beautiful writing. Excellent. Oh, well done. You know, it's uh, it's a bloody awesome uh, achievement to get over in Kona. It's kind of cool you do it with the with the family as well. Um, and and yeah, it's just nice to hear some different perspective and another person who's been really positive about the whole uh, female only day in Kona. And it was an experiment, and it seems to have um, worked pretty well. So nice work. 
Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was it was an awesome experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Cool. Righty ho, team. Um, one of the age groupers that I said we would have on the show is Emmy Nix. She was over and wrote with me earlier in the year, um, and doubled up in the to do Kona this year at the females only race. So really keen to get some some more perspective from age groupers. Um, Emmy finished in 11 hours and 30 minutes, did a 120 in the swim, 542 on the bike, 418 on the run. We'll hear whether that was good, bad, or ugly um, later on. But welcome back to the show, Emmy. Hi, thanks for having me. It is so good to be uh, back, you know, after Roth and uh, and now, now here after uh, Kona, which was my A race. I don't know if anybody listened to the first uh, podcast, uh, you know, when we filmed and, and wrote, but... Um, I did wrote I did wrote in uh, in June and yeah. then um, that was kind of a just a fun uh, little adventure and then uh, Kona was my a goal for the whole year so um, lots of hours training uh, but I'm gonna go back and uh, maybe I'll ask uh, I'll I'll let you ask uh, the questions. Yeah. So um, in terms of qualifying, where, where did you qualify and and maybe just fill us in on what life looks like for you in terms of work. Uh, where you okay. live and and where you qualified? Sure. Uh, so I'm an architect. Uh, I do space planning for a living, uh, and I work the standard hours here in the U.S. in Texas. Um, I qualified in Ironman Waco. That's here in Texas, uh, close to Austin, and uh, I qualified exactly a whole year uh, um, ago, I qualified October 15th, I think 2022. Um, so then that was like one of the first races, uh, for Kona 2023 at that time, they actually didn't know that it was going to be a split race. You know, there there was a women's race. So my, uh, Kona medal that I received says, um, you know, two dates on it because it was supposed to be a Thursday women's race, Saturday men's race. Um, so that's, that's, that was my plan to just, uh, race on Thursday. Uh, but then everything changed and then I'm so glad that I didn't book, book my, uh, Airbnb because then, yeah. you know, there was no refunds for that, but, um, but yeah, so almost a whole year after that, uh, I really didn't do much, uh, just started training for, uh, you know, just to be able to finish Roth. And then I think, uh, well, my qualifying time for Waco was 11.20. So that's what mm. I uh, I did to qualify. So it wasn't a very fast race. Uh, Waco has a lot of turns on the bike. Uh, it's got a lot of wind. It's got a lot of heat. Uh, it was actually hotter, I, I feel, in Waco than it was in Kona. Oh, so, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, Texas Texas was like the very, uh, the, the best uh, climate for uh, to be training for Kona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so... Um, so yeah, so so Waco was uh, kind of a slow race, but uh, you know, fast for me because I had never done an Ironman in that at that time. Yeah. So um, then uh, in Roth, I swam fast, which was very surprising. Yeah. Uh, but then I wasn't really trained for the run, so I think I ran my slowest uh, Ironman uh, marathon. Uh, it wasn't uh, that different from what I had in Kona, but. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a very fun race. The most, uh, the, the highest mileage I did for training for Roth was like 17 miles, I think. So, oh, you know, just like, uh, that... just like Taylor Nib. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I was just warming up. So, um, again, you know, I just, I try not to, to ramp up too, 
too quickly, uh, just making sure that Kona was still the main goal. And so in terms of in terms of your expectations for Kona, you know, it's your A race. Um, but um, what what were your expectations in terms of yeah, firstly performance, um, mm-hmm. and secondly, yeah, just what was your sort of feeling going into the race when it was was a female only event as opposed to you know mixed gender at most other races you'd done. Uh. Well, expectations, you know, of course, it's cliche to say, but I just wanted to have fun, too, at the same time as, you know, as performing well. Uh, That's hard to do uh, because it felt nothing like Roth. Uh, It felt very intense Uh, from the very beginning, uh, you know, just getting into Kona. I felt like there was a a really... uh, energetic vibe but at the same time it was just like very intense like people Mm. were you know people were ready to race and Mm. (laughs) and Mm. I don't know what I expected but it just did not feel the same as as Roth Roth feels very uh friendly it feels Mm -hmm. like it's a small it feels like it's a local triathlon and it probably has like probably could have like 300 people but it has you know 5,000 it's it's so unreal but uh, but Kona was fun too, but it was just a different vibe. Um, how, how long did you go on before the race? I got there on Wednesday and the race yeah. was on Saturday. So about three yeah. days. Um, I did not feel jet lagged. Uh, I felt, I feel pretty good. Um, so my expectations for the race were to, uh, so I had like different levels of goals, um, so, you know, I always start with like the C goal, which is the the minimal goal, which was to finish before the sunset. Uh-huh. And the sunset in Kona is at uh, 6.15 or so. Yeah. So that's the only goal that I actually achieved. Uh, I finished like at 6.10. So that was <laughs> nice. great. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to wear a headlamp. And yeah. I guess it's, it gets so dark in the Queen K that you have to wear something on you. Yeah. Um, I wasn't wearing any of that. So that's, that's good. Uh, but I was also hoping for a PR, uh, which would have been 1120 or also my A goal was to finish under 11, which, you know, now I realize that it would have been like, it's, it's just crazy for me to even have the goal <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's, uh, I, I felt like it was naive, just not knowing the course and so many, there's just a lot of, um, uh, things that now, I feel like now I know I could have done this instead of this. Mm. So, so um, talk us through talk us through the days leading into the race in terms of you said there was a bit of pressure. Did you did you get up to much? Did you do any of the sort of activities, or did you kind of just keep to yourself? Uh, well, I don't. I mean, I I did some sort of taper workouts, but I was yeah. just really trying to focus on uh, just staying uh, as like not nervous as I could. I I just, I felt a lot of nerves, especially on, of course, the race day, like that morning, it was just very chaotic. I felt like my heart was going to explode out of my, uh, my tri-suit. It was just unreal. (laughs) But, but, uh, but Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I, uh, especially on Thursday, I try to stay off my feet a lot. Uh, So I was just on the couch, uh, relaxing, which is very hard to do because you're in a new place and all you want to do is just go like snorkel and swim. But I believe I uh, Wednesday we got there, we built the bikes uh, and then we uh, we biked a little bit on the Queen K just to get familiar with the uh, surroundings. I actually got an, uh, an Airbnb right on the Palani Hill. 
So I got nice. to climb that hill before before race day, which was good. Um, and then Thursday, uh, we went to swim, which was also very good because, you know, you don't realize how salty the water is until you get in. Yeah. Um, and the water is beautiful out there. Um, it's also a little hard to, uh, to sight, uh, to, uh, to sight just because yeah. the waves and the carries you, carries you up and up and down. So it was really hard to sight. And I have never been in that position before. I've never done a, an ocean swim, uh, yeah. in a race. So, uh, so yeah, that was different. Um, and then I think I ran maybe once, uh, before the, before the, the race. And then that, that was it. So mm. I didn't do that much, but it was, it was good. Cool. So on race day, um, did the, there was a swim, uh, pretty much as you expected, go pretty straightforward. Um, uh, I did not <laughs> expect, I did not expect to be in the water for that long. So, uh, you know, right. for those. For those people that don't know, you have to swim quite a ways. I think it's about 100 meters, maybe. Yeah. You have to swim out to the line, and then you start from the line. But then you're treading water for a while uh, with a bunch of competitors, you know, like right next to you. And it's really hard because there's these uh, paddle boards that are kind of like manning the line. And then they're telling you to move. So then 250 women are just moving in one direction, like all at the same time. It's very chaotic. Uh, So I did not expect any of that. But um, and then the gun goes off and I was uh, I couldn't even start right away because there's just so many people in front of you. So there's a lot of things that I could have done better. But again, like you don't you don't know. what. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was a great experience. (laughs) You see any turtles while you're swimming? Uh, no turtles, but I did see a lot of fish. So that was great. Gosh, yeah. Excellent. I've never seen anything. I mean, anywhere in any of the swims. So <laughs> this was excellent. good entertainment. Uh, so to, and how about the bike? You know, the conditions are apparently pretty good. You know, the pros set some amazingly mm-hmm. fast times. Um, you know, it's a, it's a rolly sort of course. Was it kind of what you expected and did it sort of go according to plan? Uh, it did go according to plan. The, the bike, I was expecting it to be quite you know, hard, uh, but I knew the elevation, uh, I had trained for it. So I, I felt comfortable. The Palani Hill was really fun. There's a lot of people out there. So, uh, I didn't even, it, it was like the Solarberg Hill in, uh, in Roth, like where you right. don't even think about it because there's yeah. just so many people. Um, after that, uh, you know, the, there's a big climb to, in, uh, going into Javi and that was, that, that feels really, really, uh, it doesn't feel significantly steep, but it does feel like you're climbing and you're not going anywhere. And yeah. then you realize on the way back that you're just climbing for a while because yeah. you're just descending on the uh, coming on the other way. Uh, so that was nice. The the the, dec- the declines are really really fast, which I enjoyed. Yeah, uh, I did not coast at all. I just took it and I was like, I am going to take this downhill. Good. <laughs> I love. Yeah, I love going fast um, on on downhill. So I did exactly that. Uh, I did not drop any bottles. I did not have any uh, anything. You know, any nothing went wrong. But at the same time, I felt like um, I wasn't intaking enough. Maybe because yeah. when I started the run, I just never felt great ever. So. Mm. I, there's probably something that I did not accomplish during the the bike, but mm-hmm. I I got some muscle cramping on the on the bike, which I had never uh, felt before, 
Um, so I don't, I don't know if that is, uh, that that's what was, uh, you know, that was accountable for how I felt. And so the run ended up being a bit of more of a jog than a, uh, than a hardcore mm -hmm. run. And how, how so, did that, how did that make you feel when you're out there doing that? You know, it was your A race. Um, what was the vibe on the run like and, and how did you kind of try to keep it together? Um, so I have been in this situation before where you, you, uh, well, first of all, running is my main event. Like that, mm. that is my background. I love to run. And if there's anything that I'm good at is probably running. Yeah. So to feel that you're just depleted by the time you get to the main event is really humbling. And just, <laughs> you just start thinking, you know, whether this is your main event, um, mm. And, um, and so I struggled to find a good pace, uh, at the beginning, I felt like the first mile, I feel that you're, you climb, you climb a lot. And so maybe I thought maybe that's why I'm not feeling well, maybe I'm climbing a hill, but at that, at that time, you're just so tired that, <laughs> that mm. you don't know if you're climbing or not. So, mm. um, but for the first two miles, I felt like I was just trying to find a good sustainable pace. Uh, and then I was starting to think that I was just not gonna, you know, I was probably gonna have to walk most of the time. Um, but then I found a good pace, uh, maybe around miles, you know, four through eight are the best miles that I had. Um, and then I just, you know, I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to accomplish my goal. Um, my goal was to run between a 15 and eight thirty uh, minutes per mile, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I was running probably in the nine nine thirty, so a whole minute, you know, slower. So of course I'm like, uh, you know, I want to go fast, but then I know that that's not sustainable. I can probably only do it for one mile, and mm. then I'm gonna just blow up. So you know what? What's the? What am I supposed to do? So then I just start like kind of. You just start adjusting your goals as you go, and you're like, well, you know, instead of a. 345 marathon I'm just gonna shoot for like a you know 350 but then you realize that that's not even gonna happen because <laughs> because that's not you know that that it's not gonna uh the, the math doesn't add up so there was just a lot of math going on but then you right. can't really do that much math when you're working so hard yeah um yeah but uh one of the interesting things that um that I thought I was climbing the queen k and then at some point you come to the energy lab and, you know, so many uh, Ironmans that I've seen, like, of course, on TV, uh, that the pros go to the energy lab and like the famed energy lab where everything happens, like they always talk about it. So mm. I just always imagined a place full of spectators, full of energy. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what I was, I was hoping to see, but I did, de I definitely did not, it didn't meet my expectations. <laughs> right. There's there. nothing there. No, I got there and I was like, well, what is this? It, it was just, it was kind of dead yeah. and like lots of people struggle at that point. Mm. So you know, it's, it's about what, 16, 15 through maybe 18 mi yeah. miles, mm -hmm. uh, in, into the marathon. So, uh, things are getting dark. Um, and mm. then it's just a, it's just a mind game. Mm. Um, and then I remember seeing on the athlete guide that the special needs uh, was going to be between 15 and 16 miles. Uh, well, it turned out to be at mile 17 and a half. So that's, <laughs> that's quite off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just thinking that you're going to get your bag at some point. 
and then you actually pass right by it, but then you can't get it until you turn back. So you mm -hmm. have to kind of, you know, wait a while to get it. So that was a little disappointing too. Um, and then you, you know, you finally leave the energy lab and then you just, I, I, I told myself that it was just all downhill, downhill from there. Because it kind of is, you get some slight hills in oh, there. Yeah, you get few ups. Downhill, right? <laughs> yeah, that was so, good. So good, just, good to tell yourself that. Yeah, I just, I just kept telling myself, you just make this right onto the quinque, and it's all downhill. So then, yeah. uh, I turned, and of course, you know, the first hill, I'm like, I knew it wasn't downhill. Like there was <laughs> hills in in the in the way, um. And, uh, and then something strange happened, like a mile 21, which had never happened um, in training. I just started throwing up just viciously mm -hmm. uh, about four times. And then the fourth time, it was almost like just dry heaving where I just mm -hmm. didn't have anything to throw up anymore. But I just my body wanted to like, uh, you know, get something get out. Mm. And <clears throat> so I felt like that's exactly what I needed. And then after that, I actually started running a little bit faster. So nice. it's, yeah, it's what, good that what's I have the, What's the feeling like coming into the finish? You know, when you're out on the Queen K, there's hardly any spectators, as you pointed out. Mm -hmm. You know, once you finally turn into Palani, there's probably a few down there, but it's not really till you get onto the Queen K and the finish that you, you'll get some more spectators. So um, when you were finishing, you know, as you said, the sun was going down. Um, what was the What was the vibe like there relative to, say, Waco and Rote and, and other events you've done? Um, it, there was definitely a lot of spectators. Um, I felt like in Roth, uh, there wasn't enough, maybe because we get into the, um, uh, the arena yeah, mm. area. So you don't get the same, um, like feeling of like a stretch of, cause mm. you, you have to go around. So it's a little bit weird. Uh, in, in Kona, you get more of a sense of like a finish, like a destination, mm. just because you get this long, uh, street. And mm. on Ali Drive. And then so I feel like you get, I don't know, you get to celebrate more. Mm. Um, there was a lot of people, but you know, like, like you mentioned, um, right when you, you know, go down Pal uh, Palani and then the whole stretch from Palani to the Ali Drive uh road, mm. uh, you know, you just keep thinking like, oh, it's the last mile, it's the last mile, but it feels eternal, completely. Yeah. It just does not feel like a like half a mile anymore. Um, so I just kept thinking like it's coming, it's coming, but I just kept like making turns and not getting there. <laughs> so I was very happy to see Ali drive and just you know running through that um through the big tree and uh people and you know the the chalk, the chalk on the on on the pavement. It was great. I, I love that finish line. And so what are you, what are your sort of feelings about the event overall? You know, being female only, did that make it mm -hmm. better, worse, or just different? So just general thoughts on the overall experience being female only compared to what you've you've experienced elsewhere. Um, I I mean, um, I love that it was all you know female. Of course, like you know, I feel that. Uh, that women deserve the whole stage I could yeah. probably say the same thing about men you know I'm not I'm not just speaking for us women but uh, I love that there's like a stage like a like an individual stage for just one specific race mm. uh, I love the, the the energy and the feel uh, there was like a very intimate feel um, just the whole week uh, even with the opening ceremony and all the 
all the speakers and the uh, the the motivational speakers and the motivational talks. It was just really, you know, all women focused. So I feel that that definitely inspires other women to, um, you know, to to keep going. And and I know that there was more women who did not, uh, you know, who were part of the Ironman Foundation. And so I feel like motivating other people to, you know, to even do those things is is pretty special. Mm, cool. Mm-hmm. Um any other comments on on the race overall you know um what was maybe what was some other than your performance on the run which didn't go quite mm-hmm. quite so well was there any bad parts of the race that you thought oh that was a bit shit or it wasn't really expecting that um well i mean there was a lot of like uh things like you know there's not enough porta potties uh mm-hmm. you know at the at the start just a huge line uh i feel like ironman could do a little bit better since you know it's a it's a world championship event uh there mm-hmm. could be more uh porta potties especially because you know i mean before the start everybody has to you know everybody's mm-hmm. gonna go at some point people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, it was just uh you know stuff like that uh but overall like the things uh that ironman did um you know before the event pre-race like the opening ceremony and the you know that the the events leading up to the to the race like the underpants run and the swims mm. all that was um very fun uh, i feel like you know those things are what get people like especially spectators who are just mm-hmm. there to you know support uh, get involved maybe they want to do part of it you know they're not competing but they want to like be involved in in sports they can also do that mm. all in all mm-hmm pretty cool experience yeah it was great uh i i mean i am uh i am still i still can't believe that i did kona because this was definitely not expected not in the plans for me so i feel i just feel really really grateful that i got to do this and hopefully one day i will put a good swim bike run together because that is just the hardest thing and that is this is why i always end up uh, just in the running world because running <laughs> in itself is just running yeah. but to put those three sports together is just you know it, you got to have a magical day out there yeah yeah uh, <laughs> it's a tough place to get it right and kind of so that's awesome i think it was really nice yeah. to hear from you um it's good to get a contrast uh, compared to rote and compared to other mm-hmm. experiences and knowing that for a lot of people when they go into Ironman, especially in Kona, it's uh it's cool to be there, but it's pretty bloody tough to get a uh to get a good swim bike run and, and nail it all mm-hmm. together. But uh well done on hanging in there and great glad you uh finished with yeah. a smile on your face and uh doing the high five not the high fives, the old uh what do you call yeah. so oh, the yeah. finish line? <laughs> and uh, uh- yeah. Shout out to shout out to my friend Sana, who I'm yes. sure that she will be listening to this on Tuesday. I mean, she yeah. knows the schedule exactly, and she's so excited to hear this. Uh, I told her that you were interviewing me, so she was very excited. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you, John. Right, team. Uh, so a lot of you guys have done Ironmans in different parts of the world. I think. Um... I think I maybe covered five continents. Kind of depends if you count uh, Kona as being part of North America. Probably not really. But um, our guest today has done Ironmans in six different continents, and he's still a young man. Um, But as we know, there's seven continents in the world, and the seventh one is going to be a little trickier than the rest. So his name's Connor Emini. He's from Vancouver in Canada, uh, and he's going to tell us about this challenge. So welcome along to the show, Connor. Yeah, thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be here. So where did this idea come from? You know, uh, you're still a young fella and um, 
you know, to try to do seven Ironmans in seven different continents? Where did, where did it all start? Yeah, so I mean, grew up playing hockey as most Canadians do. And then when I went to university, I uh, hung up the skates and uh, decided to try out for a bunch of clubs. Uh, one of them was the triathlon club, me and two friends, except one of the friends couldn't swim. The other one's bike tire popped and somehow... You know, I did well enough to make the club team and thought this was pretty fun. Um, and then one of the guys I was racing against with the club team went off and did an Ironman, eventually went to to the world championships for our age group. And I just was blown away. I thought, that's not a real thing. Like, no human can do an Ironman. And, uh, you know, I thought, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Um, yeah. And that kind of planted the seed for pursuing my first Ironman. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where the idea all started there. So what was your what was your first Ironman experience like? Was it as hard as you thought it was going to be? Yeah, yeah, it's probably uh probably harder than I thought it would be. Um but it was incredible. I I was I left my job in Canada and actually moved to New Zealand um where I gave myself 6 months to just go all in on this training and and learn how to, you know, get ready for an Ironman. I had no prior experience in in really anything other than running for fun uh, i never learned how to ride a bike let alone a tri bike or you know swim properly so i started youtubing how to swim and i joined the local triathlon club called auckland mm-hmm. tri club yeah um, where i just you know at the time i was it was just like every dollar i made was going to the to, to this project <laughs> to live in new zealand so I just did the $5 drop-in sessions to learn the basics and then repeated them on my own at the training. But yeah, six months all in. um, And it was the most transformative experience of my life, those six months uh, crossing that finish line. And, you know, I thought it'd just be a one and done, but it led me on this journey around the world to to complete and, you know, race, race many races. So what was was the the damage on the first one? You know, Uh, give, give us your stats. Sure. Um, so my goal was, you know, 12 hours. I just, I read that was kind of respectable time. Uh, I didn't really know, you know, how hard that would be or, or how much training I would need, but, uh, I finished in 12 hours and nine minutes. Uh, so, you know, I, I was, I was happy for my first one. I, I carried about, I think it was like six, six to 10 builder bars, you know, those protein bars on the bike. Yeah my mind i thought if i could get enough protein and, and calories uh, in a bar each hour i would do i would do all right but i think i ate one and i couldn't eat the rest of them so yeah. just, <laughs> just learn by doing but learned a lot um the swim the swim was was crazy you know goggles going everywhere and and kind of the free for all it was it was a real shocker for me um but overall just like couldn't walk after that for a week, but something about it was magical. I just thought, man, like, why is everybody doing this? And once you do it, you realize um, everybody's there to to become better. And I think that's a contagious feeling. And when, when was that? About 2018, 2019? 2020. 2020. So March 7, 2020 um, was the Ironman New Zealand and Lake Tapo. 10 days later, the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, and I got stranded in New Zealand for about 60 days and then kind of decided there was an emergency type flight out of there to back to Canada. And my parents and kind of people I was talking to were telling me to come back. 
I didn't really want to leave, but that's just what I decided to do. And in that 60 day period, I read about this Australian girl that uh, went out and ran an ultra marathon on seven continents and became the youngest person to do so. And I thought to myself, I wonder if anyone's ever done that for Ironman. I started reaching, looking into it. So I was 23 when I did my first Ironman there in New Zealand. And uh, the record to do be the be or on the six continents was 32 at the time. Um, so I don't know what happened, but I decided in that moment, I didn't care how long it would take, or I didn't know, you know, financially, physically, mentally, how I would figure it out. But I just kind of decided in that moment that this is something that I really want to pursue. And no matter how hard it is, I'm going to try and see it through. And how did you figure it out then? You know, obviously you mentioned budgetary constraints there as well. You know, where where did you start and, and how did this sort of project evolve from getting the idea to actually trying to make it happen, you know, from a financial point of view and, and just obviously we had the COVID period, probably a bit of planning time in there, but um, how did it all start to pan out? Yeah, um, and it was, it was crazy. I think a lot of adaptability, but pretty much I tried to line up the races, you know, in, in the calendar year to do as many as I could in the near future. Obviously the pandemic, no races happened for over a whole year. So I was kind of just working full time, saving up again, every dollar I was making was like, this is the vision. This is what I want to spend it on. Mm-hmm. Kind of moved back home to live, you know, with my parents, just save as much as I could. And then as soon as the world opened up, I did three Ironmans in three months, back to back to back. So I did Ironman uh, Chattanooga in Tennessee, September 26th. And then two weeks later, went to Mallorca, Spain and did one there. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I went to uh, Africa and did one there. So September, October, November, just kind of got them under my belt and said, this is this is real. I'm in it because, you know, I want the adventure. I want the commitment to saying what doing what I said I would do and um yeah the the journey kind of just evolved and into meeting such incredible people and and really special mentors in the Ironman space and and in life um so it's continued for me to continue to push into it and uh did you find as you've obviously had that COVID period to train and you did those next three was your was the Ironman experience getting easier and were were you getting faster I was yeah so obviously you know the first one the goal was to, to kind of get under 12 hours. I missed it by about nine minutes. Something about that just played over and over in my mind. Like, how can I get from here? Um, so I I kind of tweaked some of the training and yeah, my, my next race, the second race, I broke 12 hours. I think it was 11.52, somewhere around there. Um, and then, you know, by the sixth race in my final race in Brazil, I was uh, 11 hours and 16 minutes. So just, you just kind of progressively got better through, through more and more training. Um, yeah. and I think I'm still getting better, you know, still, uh, I'm only three years into this, this endurance realm and sport. And, and I think that, you know, it's just the beginning for me, hopefully in terms of endurance sport. So, oh. so New Zealand, you said you did Mallorca, uh, you said you did Chattanooga. Uh, what, what are the other ones you've done? Yeah, so South Africa was number South four. Africa, yep. Number five was um, Subic Bay, Philippines. Oh, that and, would have been toasty. Oh my god, man! Uh, <laughs> that was that was probably the worst performing one. Um, 
just because the heat was oh, yeah. 40, 40 degrees. It was like, you know, doing, doing an Ironman in a sauna. It's just yeah. like lost 10 pounds during that race, went straight to the medic tent, everything and anything you can think of went wrong. My bike didn't make it there. So I had to find a new bike. I landed wow. like less than 72 hours before race day and had to find a bike. I'm about six, three and the average height in the Philippines is just over five feet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, was quite the challenge, man, but that's, uh, I guess what, what the whole adventure kind of side of this all is broad. And I think you meet really, really, really kind and generous people that want to help and, and want to be a part of your success. And that's something that I try and do for people around me and, uh, met these incredible people at this local bike shop that gave me their bike to borrow for the race yeah. and stay after hours to fit it to me. And, you know, met the, they, they, they introduced me to the local national triathlon team for the Philippines, which showed me around and just treated me yeah. like family. And, and that's to me, it's, it's bigger than the sport. It's like, you know, it's a community and, and it's, it's a really special, it attracts a special group of people. Yeah, and no, I raced in the Philippines once. It's a uh, unique experience over there. So number six was that Brazil, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florianopolis, Brazil. And that was in uh, May 2022. So excellent. Any particular highlights? You know, you obviously mentioned there. You know, just the camaraderie of Philippines. But in terms of all the races you've done, any particular either scenic highlights or just things that really stood out to you as you know, this is this is pretty amazing. Yeah, not not just because you're a Kiwi, but uh, <laughs> New Zealand, I think was was probably the most special for me i think your first race is always the most memorable but you know i lived there for six months and really got to to meet some some great people and the race itself was i think has won like the gold gold label award for best iron man in the world um so that was pretty special and i actually have two older brothers and both of them came down and did the race with me so cool. memorable perspective yeah. I think experiences are always better and I think it it helped that maybe I beat them both during that race <laughs> nice <laughs> and any other than uh your bike going missing um any particular and, and the heat of Philippines any particular lowlights where you would just you question yourself and thought bloody hell this is uh this is not that much fun all the time man I lived <laughs> in uh, in 10 places in 18 months so Pretty much moved around, bummed, bummed off of friends' couches, slept on floors, you know, just like anything and everything I could to to kind of afford it. Worked through three jobs at one point, just like just really slummed it out in a lot of ways. And and I was lucky to have a couple of partners jump on and, and help support me and, and give me some gear and stuff. But um yeah, I think like the financial part of it was was super tough. Um working and, and training that volume was super tough both I had a bike break so that was like that was really tough it was I think three weeks before my race so I had to do you know those two races on a borrowed bike um yeah I oh I got stuck in I got stuck in uh on my way home from Africa because I contracted uh Omicron um mm. I had to quarantine for 14 days um mm. And that was, was quite the experience. Um, we were flying back from Johannesburg, 
I tested negative leaving the country and then we were connecting through Amsterdam. But as soon as we landed on tarmac, the captain comes on. He says, we think there might be an outbreak on this plane. Um, we got to stay on the tarmac. We were there for over five hours. Then they send us buses to this ostracized wing of the airport where we had to test. And out of all the passengers that tested, we were in that wing for like 18 hours, yeah. like 60 of us tested positive and had to go to a hotel and stay there for 14 days, uh. which, you know, I, I guess the lesson is be careful what you wish for. I was like, oh man, I'm so burnt out from all these races. Like I need some time to just like recharge and rest. And, and sure yeah. enough, I got 14 days to to do that. So that was quite the experience. Excellent. Um, okay, so in terms of uh, getting ready for the biggie, which is um, going to Antarctica, yeah. I don't even know where to start with this. You know, um, has anything like this ever been done before? I know this is the Antarctic Marathon, but has anybody ever tried anything remotely similar to this before? Yeah, so there's actually one person has done it uh, in Antarctica yeah. named Anders Hoffman, and um, He's a, I think a Danish, a Danish guy. And he, he did it in 2020. Um, it took him about three days to do just because yeah. of, you know, the weather and, and, uh, and how hard it is. Um, but he proved that it's possible. And to me, the difference is I hopefully will do it in one day and, um, kind of consecutive manner and become you know the first to do on all seven continents versus the first there mm -hmm. um so yeah it has has kind of been proven but i hope to do it in a way where we can document it and, and kind of share share all the the lessons with the world of you know anything is possible so firstly if we break it down the swim um i've seen you posted a bit on your your um instagram that you've been obviously been doing some swimming in ice water. Um, what what's the sort of planning for the swim? You know, how are you actually going to do it? And have you got to three point eight k's in freezing water yet? And and what are the sort of logistics around the swim side of things? Yeah. So in terms of logistics, um, it'll be in a bay where we'll have a zodiac like little inflatable boat that mm. goes beside me on one side, and um, most likely one to two kayaks on the other side. And I'll be in the middle just because there's leopard seals and wildlife animals that <laughs> yeah yeah consider. Um, and that'll be in the harbor of of where we're flying or, or, or heading into. Um, in terms of gear, I'm wearing like a thicker kind of more surf suit style, um, which has a hood, you know, boots, gloves um kind of a, a wider face piece that covers covers most of your face um and yeah and just just like adapting my body to the cold um so over the last year and a little bit i've been you know slowly working my way up to that and i've swam about like 2.5 kilometers in in really mm. cold water so still uh still a couple more test swims to do but yeah, I'm feeling feeling good and and just slowly adapting again as as it gets colder leading up to that over the next couple of months here. Okay, and then so moving on to the bike, um, I'm assuming are you doing it on a fat bike? Are you are you sort of just doing short laps? What's the practicalities around the bike? 
Yeah. Yeah. So doing a, doing a fat bike and it'll be approximately an eight kilometer loop. Um, and we'll have a tent kind of stationed there where I will have my nutrition set up, um, and some like maybe warm tea and, and fluids or soup to, to kind of keep your body temperature regulated. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's kind of the plan well, for that. And how long, I mean, again, I know you live in Canada, I know Vancouver gets cold, um, but how long do you anticipate the, um, the swim and the bike taking you? Um, I think the swim will take approximately an hour and a half, yeah. uh, an hour and 20 minutes to, to an hour and 40 minutes, depending on, you know, my, my body. And it's, it's a bit, it's a bit harder to swim than oh, regular yeah. wetsuit, obviously, because yeah. your, your shoulders aren't very restricted or your shoulders are restricted. Um, the bike's going to take a long time. Yeah. Uh, you can't go very fast on a fat bike and obviously snow and slush isn't ideal. So, um, honestly, I'm not sure, man, it can take anywhere from probably eight to 18 hours just for the yeah. bike, um, depending on the loop and, and the conditions and, and all of that. And then, uh, the run is, you know, say four well, to four that'll be the most straightforward part won't it that'll be relatively straightforward it'll be bloody cold yeah. but uh relatively straightforward i'd imagine yeah yeah just after the the long journey beforehand we'll we'll, we'll just power through but yeah obviously you know i'm gonna do my best but to me the time is secondary to getting it getting it done and um you know the experience uh i want to i want to kind of try and be as present as possible and enjoy the suffering of it all because something that i'll want probably do once and and you know never do again so yeah so the 17 hour barrier is probably i imagine your goal but not the end of the world if you don't make it yeah so this isn't really affiliated with iron man group right iron man yeah. kind of a brand and and this is the same iron distance um but yeah there's no specific cutoff time or or anything like that I, yeah would love to get 17 hours um but we'll be happy to to complete it all big advantage you got in antarctica i think you're doing in january um is daylight's probably not such a big issue down there yeah nearly nearly 24 hours uh, yeah. which is which is pretty cool nice um and just in terms of logistics like in terms of permissions or getting down there permissions to be able to actually do that has that been a logistical nightmare or has it been you know if you've got the money you can make it happen no it's more than it's more than money um it's it's tough you know you have to work with um government government relations for for the military bases basically out of there and um, I've teamed up with, uh, an expedition guide that specializes in, you know, um, these type of crazy expeditions and has the relationships. So working through him to, um, kind of logistically execute this project and, uh, yeah, they're like all, all the safety and, and permits will be, will be followed to make sure we're doing it right and, and respecting yeah. the land. 
Ah, oh, cool. Oh, it sounds like a <clears throat> an amazing adventure. Um, obviously, if people want to follow what you're doing, you know, what's uh, how can they support you and and follow what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Either you know, Instagram at Connor Emini for you know some some of the build up in the training uh, leading up to it, or I have a website called www.chasingantarctica.com um, that shows some of the kind of races and challenges I have leading up to it, as well as a donation link um, where, you know, we'll be raising some funds for the film and a portion of those funds are going to Movember uh, for men's health. Um, so yeah, you can check out either of those to learn more. Oh, uh, so what is, what, what, what is January you're trying to do it? Is that right? Yeah, January yeah. 24. And how big a window have you had to give in yourself? You know, obviously the weather is, you know, you've got to have a long enough window to get the right sort of day. So how long are you down in Antarctica for? Uh, so we'll be in Punta Arenas, which is uh, in Chile, uh, for about two weeks, waiting for the weather window um, to go over. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a short a short trip in Antarctica specifically. Right. Uh, but we'll be kind of there gearing up you know getting ready and then going in and executing and, and coming out you know, i'd love to stay and and explore and 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 uh you know take it all in but unfortunately i, I don't think this is the trip to do that yeah. Um, but yeah yeah just going to try and enjoy as much as i can and um hopefully you know film it all and we're, we're focusing on a documentary on the story that we can really just share all the ups and downs and, and crazy people we met along the way that either believed in me, encouraged me or, or inspired me to keep going. And what, what scares you the most about this challenge? Uh, truthfully, it's, it's what happens when it's done. I think mm -hmm. that's, it's uh, my biggest fear is, you know, after the sixth, I, I thought I'd, I'd feel super fulfilled and, and kind of have, everything I wanted from it, but I felt quite empty. Um, but I think, you know, this one now is, is I've had a lot of time to think about it and, it and it's much bigger than just me. It's, it's something for the world. Um, so I think I'm going to take some time to, to write a, a book about it and, and the experience and just um, focus on maybe coaching some other people. And that's kind of what I'm getting into now and really love it and love seeing people reach their full potential. Very good. All the best. We'll definitely uh, keep a track of the journey and uh, look forward to hopefully talking with you afterwards. Um, I'm sure you're going to get some uh, some pretty serious media coverage if you can make it happen. So uh, it sounds like you're well on your way with that swimming. And um, when you haven't got that 17-hour barrier as your ultimate thing, I think it seems a lot more uh, a lot more possible. So looking forward to following your progress. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, John. I really appreciate the time. Okay, so we'll break down both of those, John. So first of all, you were saying earlier, and people have just listened to this, but the general feel is, is that the female day in Kona was a total win, which is really interesting when you think about, you know, some of the feedback we got from Nice was the females were missed. Um, and you're not mm. hearing so much of that in Kona. Now, I wonder if it's because it's Kona. Or like, it's just curious, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, no, it is. And yeah, uh I don't know. I don't don't know what the solution is. I've said it time and time again. Um, but the females did seem to like having their own stage and their own platform. And I think everyone is kind of in agreement that it would be cool to have two day format. 
are some downsides to it. It's just not practical. Um, but they uh, they seem to love it. I haven't seen much negativity around it, other than everyone said, you know, it was a little bit quieter, but that wasn't really a problem. Um, but just the vibe they seemed to have out there was great. And I think, you know, if this experiment works in terms of inspiring more females to get into the sport, then, you know, it's a win. But yeah. um, it's it still feels a bit strange. Well, and, and you know, we do know that it's easier to qualify for Kona now for females. Um, a, a much much less athlete gets to go to this race, but in that, in some ways, that's really great because it makes it more accessible, which you know gives people that carrot. You know, now admittedly, you only get to do it every two years, so I suppose as an overall, if we're going to do Kona, it's probably similar, maybe. Um, but you know, like yeah. if if it inspires more females into our sport, because if we go proportion of athletes, it's still a much smaller field in the overall sport. Uh, so the more females participating in our sport would be a really great thing, wouldn't it? And then it may, the bar may get lifted and then it may, you know, as the field size grows, then it may become harder to, mm. to qualify. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's changing times. Um, and I'm just stoked that, that all the people that went over there seem to seem to enjoy it um and in terms of enjoy it you know a, a big proportion of the people that race in Kona and a big proportion of people that do Ironmans anywhere in the world you know have a, often have a pretty rough time on the run um but those that were over in Kona still seemed to enjoy the experience so um yeah it's all good and then obviously uh, uh the interview you guys have just listened to common at Connor Emini, totally different kettle of fish there. If you guys want to go and support him, you can go to chasingantarctica.com. Um, he's got a little, I don't know if it's GoFundMe, it's one of those sort of pages to help support him uh, get over there. If he can do it, it's a pretty epic achievement. Um, uh, yeah, go over there. Well, it's, just, it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, isn't it? You know, like doing an Ironman anywhere is a progress and challenge. And being able to handle the swim. Yeah. Oh, sorry, John, you cut out a little bit there. So sorry to say that last bit again. Just in terms of his progress in the swim, you know, I, that he doesn't seem to think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Um, I think the bike ride sounds like it's going to be pretty, pretty long and pretty tough. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed that the weather gods are on his side because if they're not, the whole thing could turn to custard. Because if you know, you get a, a five day storm coming in, I guess his window will close pretty quickly. Um, but if he gets a beautiful day, how cool would it be? I don't, it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever but to be biking and running in Antarctica, not so much as swimming would be, um, would be pretty cool. Maybe not for how long he's going to be out there. Oh, craziness. Just, John, one thing going back to the females, I think one thing that's really great was that it wasn't a lesser experience because it would have been a real mm. bummer if these athletes had gone over and it just felt hollow or if it just felt not like a world championship. And it's, you know, the feedback we've got both from today's age groupers and the pros we talked to last week and just stuff we've heard from other people out there was that overall you know you know if you've been there a lot in the past you might have said there's a couple of things that weren't quite there but fundamentally it felt like a, a world championships and these athletes felt they had the experience and that's what we wanted the most importantly wasn't it absolutely so uh yeah on them okay let's go let's wrap things up jombo because i know you, you places to be people to see so let's say thank you to our patrons we've got philip black jacket Killer Colt. And then you're going to Tom uh, Sabery. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out there, Bevan. Yeah, go. Tom Commander Pyro Salbury. Salbury. And then we've got Tim Superstar Carpenter. I can get that one. So, guys, if you want to get show support, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to dub, dub, dub 
I am talk.me. Thank you for all those people who are patrons. It really means a lot. If we're a part of your weekly triathlon world and you, you know, you want to check a couple of dollars our way, it really helps. Also, if you want to get some coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. Also, Epic Camp. John puts on amazing camps. If you want a kind of a life experience with a great, well-run event, uh, you can check that out, epiccamp.com. For anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, content, you can email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. We probably won't talk about rugby too much. The excitement levels aren't as high as last week where we saw two of the best games you'll almost see of big and we saw one particularly bad game which I was like oh it was horrible England played uh, South Africa and it's possibly one of the worst games of rugby I've ever seen yeah, uh, so we won't mention that too much but we are in the final next week that's all that matters it's all that matters John it's all that matters come on the All Blacks I'd, I'd fallen in love with them 18 months ago now I'm a bandwagon person you know I'm back on yeah. board me too back on board so uh looking forward to that other that's been a long weekend over here we've had a holiday monday so i've just been smashing the garden uh and have not been doing too much else um yeah give an all black jersey no do not have an all black jersey something i've never owned you know what i I bought one last world cup because i figure the world cup's the time to buy it because you don't have the sponsor so yeah, I, I bought it. I bought it in the last World Cup, and you know what? I'm I'm not very good at being the fan, but I, you know, I, I wear it now when I go to a game with some friends. I chuck it on, and I, I like being the fan. So I've I've changed. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So Maybe. next week we'll either be happy campers or packing a sad. Well, hopefully we're happy campers. Anyway, John, I know you got to get out of here. So let's wrap let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.